is Brent Axe, and we are live here on the Syracuse Orange Basketball Facebook page. Coming off a close but no cigar game for the Syracuse Basketball Orange as they fall to Clemson 71-70 to at Little John Coliseum in Clemson, South Carolina. So the five-game winning streak comes to an end for Syracuse, who falls to 13-8 and on the season. They're 6-4 and now in ACC play with the win. Clemson improved to 11-9 and 5-5 and in ACC play. A lot to go over here. Uh, we're here, thanks to our friends at Krause Health. You guys get in the comments, do your thing, I'll react to you. Coming up here shortly, and always great to be with you live. We're here live after every Syracuse basketball game, but to, just to remind you, you've got a couple other ways that you can watch this. We put it up on YouTube on the Syracuse Orange Sports YouTube page. You can find it there. You can find it in my recap on Syracuse.com. We also are putting this in podcast form for you as well. So if you're watching or listening later on, thank you for that. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, find Syracuse.com podcasts. And this post-game chat is available there as well. So tough one for Syracuse. It, it was a, a situation where – in four of the five games in the winning streak, they were kind of walking that thin line. A lot of games where Syracuse had big leads, lead swings on both sides, but they just kept coming out with the clutch victories. The one exception in that was Boston College. This was a game that Syracuse walked the thin line, and this time Clemson cashed in. Barama Sidibe fouls out. Marek Doljai fouls out, and they fouled out with a lot of time to go in the second half. So when you look at it here, Barama picked up three fouls in the first half. Doljai, who's just been Syracuse's MVP as of late, he fouls out with just under eight minutes to go. So now you're relying on Jesse Edwards and Quincy Garrier to carry the load. Quincy has certainly had more time and opportunity to do that. Jesse Edwards hasn't played any significant time in ACC play, and all of a sudden he was asked to carry the load for a good while down the stretch for Syracuse. Barama ends up following out with about 5.07 to go, and it was uh, Mack for Clemson, who was a Mack truck out there tonight. Tevin Mack, 32 points for Clemson. He has 10 rebounds. Even when Barama and Doljai were in the game, they could not stop him getting through the paint with ease. He was attacking the rim. He was hitting from the free throw line. A huge, huge game for Tevin Mack. And the guy that you really had to be concerned about inside for Clemson was their leading scorer and one of their best players, Amir Sims. And he only ends up with two points on the night, only took four shots on the night, did have seven rebounds. This was a game that Syracuse was out-rebounded by Clemson, 36-26. to 26. Syracuse turned the ball over, pardon me, Clemson turned the ball over uh, 16 times in this game. Syracuse did get 15 points off those turnovers, but it was the dominant inside play for Clemson. Elijah Hughes, huge first half with 22 points, trailed off in the second half. Hughes had two opportunities at the end. So Syracuse ends up with a situation where they only have a, a second on the shot clock. They have to inbounds the ball, somehow get it off. They do, and Clemson grabs the rebound, goes right back down the floor and scores. So then with Syracuse getting about 1.7 seconds on the clock, the ball comes up the other way, and Clemson knocks it out of bounds, right? At that point, there's a lengthy review to determine how much time was going to be on the clock for Syracuse to have one last shot at a two-point basket or a three-point basket to win. And, and given the sideline situation to inbounds the ball, they weren't going to get off a shot 
in a lot of time, but certainly enough time to get off something. And even with all that time, the officiating crew took a long time to determine how much time was on the clock. It looked like Syracuse should have had about 1.3 or 1.4 seconds. They ended up getting 0.9 seconds on the clock. Howard Washington Jr. inbounds to Elijah Hughes. He can't get a shot off near half court, and Syracuse ultimately loses a close one here, 71-70. to So we mentioned um, some of the players for Syracuse that uh, scored and uh, put up big numbers. You know, Joe Girard didn't score in the first half. He has 10 points in the second. Two huge three-pointers for Joe from the Tiger Claw. Deep shots on that Clemson court. Uh, had a tough drive inside as well. We mentioned Doljai getting a foul trouble. That fifth foul call on Doljai was a real cheapie, considering what they allowed these teams to get away with in these games. It was like prison rules at times. And the refs were very inconsistent with what teams could get away with, what they couldn't. Doljai, not only that foul, a couple other real cheapies on him. And that was a good strategy for for Clemson, frankly. I talked about this on the radio on Tuesday, that if Clemson was going to win this game, they had to get Doljai in foul trouble. They had to go at him. And that's what Tevin Mack did throughout this game. We mentioned that Sims couldn't get it going, but Mack just kept driving inside. And eventually, Doljai fell victim to it. That fifth foul was a real cheapy, barely touched um, who he was defending. I, I think it was Sims. I can't remember exactly who he fouled on that last one. But one way or the other, Syracuse had opportunities at the end, couldn't get shots off. Uh, it was a close game, and Syracuse has won these close games down the stretch, but eventually one was going to step up and bite him here, and that's what happened tonight. And another theme when Syracuse has lost games this year is they've been out-rebounded. And we mentioned the, the boards there, Syracuse out-rebounded by Clemson in this one, 36-26. So it, it stings. It's, you know, when you're walking the thin line that Syracuse is, when you have to really pile up wins. You know, our colleague Ben Burroughs, who hangs with us on the chat, and he pops in sometimes and leaves some comments, and you guys read Ben's stuff. He wrote a few games back that if Syracuse was going to make a serious run at the tournament, knowing how much the Duke game meant on February 1st, that's now Syracuse's next matchup on Saturday, knowing Florida State and Louisville were huge opportunities for Syracuse. I think NC State might end up being a big opportunity as well for a potential quad one or quad two win for the Orange. But you had to get there. You had to take care of business and bridge that gap. And Syracuse in a in its stretch had to go five and zero. Oh. They didn't go five and zero oh there. They went four and one. They won five in a row. But it was this five game stretch that just ended. That you know Ben wrote statistically Syracuse's best shot was to go five and zero oh there. They went four and one. I felt all along that they need two of those big wins to be in serious consideration for the tournament while continuing to take care of business in some of these you know, other ACC games that aren't quite the resume builders that those three will be. So Syracuse did take a step back tonight. It stings because these are games that can go either way, and you just want to keep building the resume because the losses hurt you. The wins, this one would have been a quad two win. Syracuse has an awful record in quad two right now. Ben, if you could look that up for me, I'd appreciate it. I don't have it right in front of me, but – Syracuse has a couple quad one wins, but their quad two record's pretty bad right now. So, like the bubble, what the tournament's going to be like, what the conversation's going to be like a, a month from now, it's January 28th, right? It's so hard to predict in college basketball, but Syracuse was doing what they needed to do, taking care of business, and to lose a one-point game in the manner which they did, they had to find a different way, right? If Doljai was in foul trouble, which was the case tonight, if Doljai struggles, it's pretty jarring how the Syracuse offense kind of shuts down when he's not out there. That's a credit to how he plays, the involvement in this game. He's the best passer on the team. We know 
the hustle and the scrappiness that he has, but he's a, a much more confident offensive player. Hughes was great in the first half, and then Clemson really focused in on him in the second. Buddy Beheim, you know, there's not much more you can ask him to do. He ends up with 22 points. We mentioned Joe's clutch shots, but it was defense and rebounding tonight that really haunted the Orange, and eventually that was going to come back and bite him. They were an offensive-minded team, and uh, Clemson just pounded them inside. Could not stop Mac. 32 points uh, for the 23-year-old, by the way. 23-year-old guy's been to a couple of schools, hanging in there in college basketball, and uh, certainly tore Syracuse apart tonight. So let's jump in the comments, see what you guys are saying here. Uh, Joe says it's a team that continually commits dumb fouls. Is a team that's poorly coached. Well, what about the four straight games that they won, where they didn't have a lot of dumb fouls, right? Where they won close games where they came back and they gave up some leads too. I mean, it's funny how the tenor changes when they lose a game like this. They were pretty uh, uh, well coached in the four game winning streak, right? But all of a sudden they're a poor coached team. I don't think it was a poorly coached situation. I think it was inconsistent officiating, frankly. Doljai, that fifth foul was terrible. There were some over the back calls that hurt Syracuse. And, and what happens is this is a team that really relies on offensive rebounds. And I'll just jump in the numbers here. Uh, while we're talking about that, Syracuse has, uh, in this game tonight, so they had 26 rebounds, 18 on the defensive end, 8 on the offensive end. Clemson ends up with 11 offensive rebounds. But Syracuse is so reliant on that offensive rebound that it's going to create some over-the-back situations. And, you know, you're really baiting the referee to blow the whistle in that spot. Sidibe uh, has been getting foul trouble all year long. For him to foul out is actually uncommon. He's always around that four-foul spot. Dolzhai's kind of flirted with it here and there, but has avoided it in recent games. So I don't know if it's a poorly coached situation. You know, Barama is told where to be, how to foul, positioning. Dolzhai, the same thing. It's just sometimes you run into an officiating crew that's going to call the game tight, and I think that's what happened. And this one, Jeff mentioned how Hughes was MIA in the second half. You know what's interesting is when Hughes has a big half, Buddy tends not to, and the opposite, right? Like if you can get those two really humming in the same half, Syracuse would really have something. But that's just natural. One guy's hot. You ride the hot hand, the other one backs off. and when he was struggled and Clemson focused in on him. You know, Buddy got some open shots. Buddy had some nice fakes. Uh, didn't take it in the paint quite as much as he has recently. There was a real balance in his game there today. If, as you look at uh, Beheim, he was he had, really had to fight to get to those 22 points. He was 9 of 21, 4 of 9 from three-point range. He had four uh, of Syracuse's eight three-pointers, four of five on Saturday against Pittsburgh, eight of nine from the free-throw line for Hughes. Garrier hit two at the free-throw line. Doljai was four of four from the free-throw line. Syracuse was 14 of 15 overall from the free-throw line. And In a close game, that's what you want, but ultimately it was Mack tearing apart that that paint defense for the Orange. They just could not stop him. And then when Doljai and, and uh, Sidibe are out, now you got Jesse Edwards, who takes up a lot of space, but it's just still not up to par. The guy hasn't played any significant minutes, like wheel minutes in ACC play. There was one pass that Jesse tried to make to Quincy inside, which would have been a big play down the stretch. Quincy wasn't even looking for it. He kind of anticipated the pass, but I'm not going to rag on Jesse Edwards too much because he just hasn't been in these big spots, and frankly, he wouldn't be because Doljai, you need him in there. Uh, Barama gets into foul trouble enough that maybe Jesse would see more time in those situations. But like I said, uh, uh, Barama fouling out isn't exactly the common occurrence you think it would be. Usually ends up with four fouls on the day. But Jesse just not ready uh, for that situation out there tonight. Uh, Gary, I think, handled himself pretty well. 
had some strong inside plays, got some boards. You know, you could tell the confidence is brimming, is brimming there, pardon me, at six points in this game. He had five rebounds in 27 minutes. You'd kind of like to see those numbers beef up. But as we mentioned, the paint play was uh, kind of a struggle uh, for the Orange in certain spots today. But I think Gary A is he's doing what you can ask him to do at this point. Amber makes a good point about blown losses, though. We talked about this even after Syracuse's win against Pittsburgh. The next step for this team is the killer instinct. The next step for this team is when you build a lead, and Syracuse at one point had, um, let me look back here, I'm not sure what their largest lead was in the second half. So they, they kind of came out to start the second half on a 10-2 run. I believe their biggest lead in this half, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, was 45-35. I think that was their biggest second-half lead, and that's way early in the second half before everybody fouls out and there's a lot of basketball to be played. But it has been a consistent theme in that winning streak that they were in. And in four of those five games that were close in that streak, making five out of six now, adding the loss to Clemson, that they have 10, 11, 12-point leads. And that comes down to staying out of foul trouble, which they didn't tonight. That comes down to defensive stops, which they had none of in this game. And it comes down to rebounding, which they really struggled in tonight. So – that's the next step for this team. They've made some improvements in a lot of ways, but in ACC games down the stretch, you got to hold the lead. And this is something that Syracuse has struggled to do. And it was really one guy that did it for Clemson tonight. Neil says a few weeks ago, we were terrible tonight. We lost a tough ACC road game. If Syracuse beats Duke right back in solid tournament talk, they're in the right direction. Despite the tough loss, go Cuse. And Neil is in SoCal. Thanks for checking in from Southern California, Neil. I'm sure everybody out there, as we are all across the country, but particularly in California, uh, really still a tough news to take about Kobe Bryant. Uh, several Syracuse players wore Kobe Bryant shoes out there on the floor tonight, as did Clemson, and I think you're going to really see a, a lot of tributes to Kobe all over the basketball world uh, throughout the week. They did not play in Los Angeles tonight. It's supposed to be the Clippers and Lakers, as a matter of fact, as uh, the people in Southern California in particular continue to mourn the loss of, of Kobe Bryant, taken too soon, as well as his daughter and, of course, everybody else on that helicopter on Sunday. Uh, Jim, yep, a lot of you guys reminding me it was a 10-point lead. Thank you for that. Uh, let's see. Lee says, uh, or let's go with Antonio. It says in the second half, they shut down Hughes and Buddy. And with Marek out there, no movement whatsoever. Just shows you how important he is to that offense. Lee says, so do they keep playing Jesse? They're better prepared in these situations. Or does Beheim put him to the bench full time because of his performance and his impact? I think Jesse's only going to get in, in the spot that we saw tonight. Foul trouble for Barama and Marek. Jesse's just not ready, and a lot of what you do in practice carries over into games, and, you know, it's a chicken-egg thing. Would he be more ready if he had gotten some experience in these games? But there's no reason to just pop him in there in the close games that Syracuse have played before if Dolzhai's not in foul trouble or Barama's not in foul trouble, right? So it's a tough call because the bench can only go so far, and I don't think Jesse's ready for these situations. I think uh, his best days are to come next season and the season beyond that, but it's weird. You just never know when you're going to need a player to step up, and unfortunately he couldn't tonight. Evan is in Iowa. Uh, all the caucuses getting ready to happen out there, presidential candidates around the corner, so uh, politics and sports mixing for you out there, Evan. Appreciate you checking in. Carlisle, PA. From my man, Sean. Appreciate that. Uh, Tiffany says, do you really think a Duke win puts them in tourney talk? I'm not sure about that. It will, Tiffany, in this sense, because now it's February when they play Duke on Saturday, and Joe Lenardi and Jerry Palm and the Bracket Matrix and all those people 
that uh, tell us all about quad wins and last four in and last four out and everything that becomes part of our lives. That's a significant top 50 big-time quad one win for Syracuse that the committee will look at and say, okay, now you're in the conversation. Here's where I think you're right in questioning it. I think Syracuse has to win two out of those three games, and those three being Duke, Florida State, and Louisville, and two out of those three are on the road. You beat Duke, it puts you in a lot of conversations, but I think you got to add another quad one win into that, continue to take care of business in the ACC. I'm not sure what the cut line's going to be, because the tournament's weird. The ACC's down this year, so even 12, 13 ACC wins is not going to look as good because the league is down. But if you get two wins in that stretch, continue to take care of business, maybe go deep in the ACC tournament. They're squarely in tournament talk because the tournament's weird this year. But what Syracuse needs is top 50 wins, and they don't have any right now. So Duke you know, it would solve some problems but not all in that case. Good question there, Tiffany. Christian says would have been better – with Gary in the middle and Goodine up top. You know, it's interesting. I love Tim Brando, but uh, he, he got it wrong a bunch of times tonight. He was mistaking a Clemson player for Bryson Goodine. I kept thinking Bryson Goodine got in, but he was mistaking somebody on Clemson for him like three or four times in that game. Uh, ben chimes in to say, I know he was good down the stretch, but Gerard was minus eight in 34 minutes while Washington was plus seven in eight minutes. Get my man more minutes. Uh, I was listening to Jim Beheim's radio show last week, and I'll, I'll just say this, Ben. Jim Beheim, not a fan of the over-under stat at all. He, he, he hates it. He, he just totally, and this is not like old guy, hates analytics kind of thing. He feels like you get too much credit for what others are doing on the court. I don't completely disagree with you, though, Ben. I think, and Joe hit some big shots down the stretch, don't get me wrong, but what Howard brings to the table, now think about this. You got Howard Washington, Jr., who the, bi the biggest thing he does is he calms things down. You know, calms down, gets the offense flowing, those guys out. You need a guy to get the offense flowing, which Howard Washington does. And maybe there was an opportunity to have the, a veteran on the floor there. I mean, Joe hit those shots, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? But I don't know. I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place there because over-under, I think, is an overrated stat too. And I'm a hockey fan. You think I would, uh, I would like that stat, right? Uh, my man Daryl checks in and say, don't get me started first. Can our starting center stop fouling out? Second, why can't this team just put a team away when they have the lead? Uh, they did that uh, in, in, the, in the winning streak, so you got to give them credit for that. Uh, says, I love Joe G, uh, JG3, but, man, he was terrible on defense tonight and was torched. I think that's fair. He, he just struggles on defense as it is. How does this team allow one player, just us, in the second half? Uh, this will end my rant. Go Q Saturday against Duke. Daryl, glad you feel better. Got that off your chest. That's what we're here to do. Uh, let's see. A couple more comments from you guys here. Uh, Dan says, Howie's not a threat, being Washington, just a poised facilitator. Fair, but I think that's what Syracuse could have needed. But, yeah, he doesn't have that killer instinct. Like, Joe, God bless the kid. He'll shoot from anywhere. And he hit those two three-pointers from the tiger paw. Like, those were deep shots. Kids got guts. I'll grant him that on Howard's not a three-point threat, and, and they kind of needed one out there. But, you know, Ben loves over-under. So you go with that, my friend. Ben did make that a 5-0 and o prediction, though. I'll give him, I will grant you that. And you and I disagreed on that. They went 4-1 and one in that stretch. But it does, as uh, Tiffany brought up earlier, puts a little more emphasis. I, those games are always going to be important, like Duke, Florida State, Louisville. It's going to decide their tournament fate no matter what, right? Those are always going to be important. But the more games you lose like this, 
a quad two game, a road game, and Syracuse had been great on the road. This is their first ACC road loss. They were 4-0 on the road up to this point, but it's a thin line they're walking. And to be a one-point loss, that, that one does stink because they got to pile up as many of these as they can. Uh, Syracuse 3-3 three and three in quad one games. Thank you for adding that, Ben. Appreciate that. Yeah, they're quad two records. I know it's a losing record at this point. They've really got to pile up uh, some quad two wins, and that's what uh, tonight would have been as well. Mike says, need to listen to the coach. Still not quite where they need to be, getting better, but he told us bigger inside teams are going to hurt Syracuse, and uh, we certainly saw that tonight. The interesting thing, though, is Sims was the big guy. Mack is certainly, I mean, 6'6", 6'6", swingman. The guys can get inside and play, as we saw tonight, but Sims was their big man. Their 6'8", power presence inside, and he really struggled tonight. Made a couple of plays down the stretch, but uh, he was not the guy tonight. They just deferred to Mack and, and let him do their thing for sure. Uh, David says, the G-man analyst with Brando didn't know that Marek was fouled out. Yeah, I saw that. When Jesse came in, yeah, they were plotting strategy about those guys coming in, and, and they were fouled out, which is a shame. Uh, Mike Kaminsky, I could do without him, frankly. I'm not a huge fan. I like Timmy Brando. He's usually pretty sharp on those things. But uh, having been there and called games and the flurry of activity that can happen, live TV, live radio, whatever the case, you know, mistakes uh, can certainly happen. Hey, Christian up in Canada there, eh? Uh, the delay on the computer stream kills me in those close games. Yeah, particularly the stream when, you know, they're taking – that delay was like five minutes trying to figure out how much time was left on the clock for a very important play. And they had all that time, and it ends up that Hughes just can't even get a shot off from the inbounds uh, from Howard Washington in that spot. Paul says it's frustrating when one side is allowed to play very physical while the other gets blown for touch fouls while playing zone. That's it. When you play the zone, I think that that factored into it. Uh, that said, they they certainly let some things go on the Syracuse end, uh, but to let – I, I can't remember if it was Mac or Sims, but somebody just completely, I mean, just blatant charge, blatant offensive foul, bulls, like a bull at a china shop through the paint, didn't get called. And then Doljai, I mean, he barely touched the guy. And they blow a whistle on that. I mean, all you can ask for is consistency. If you're going to let him play, let him play. And they didn't in that case. So I get you. That was a little frustrating. Uh, Joe's checking in from uh, Dover, El Paso, Texas, for my, my guy, Mike. Always love to hear where you guys are watching this from. Uh, Don says, like this team, but the lack of depth and consistent foul trouble are huge issues that keep becoming bigger factors as the games get more important, says Go Cuse, beat Duke. And that is it, friends. The Duke Blue Devils are next. This is not the Zion Williamson star-studded Duke team of last year that had, what, three picks in the top 12 of the draft, I believe, last year. But this Duke team's good. Now, they're playing Pittsburgh as we speak, so we won't have the final or the results of this game in, in the chat or in the YouTube or podcast version of this. But, look, you got Vernon Carey Jr., who's just going to drop 20 on Syracuse just by showing up. If Syracuse continues to have the pain issues in that game, it's going to be big trouble because he's one of the best centers in the country. Trey Jones is back. The veteran guard, Cassius Stanley's playing great for Duke at about 12 points per game. Matthew Hurt is a tough forward that could draw some foul trouble inside for Syracuse as well. Duke's Duke, and they're going to challenge Syracuse, but there's just something about when these teams get together that a good high-scoring up-and-down-the-game ensues, 
There's not going to be 35,000 plus at the Dome. I talked to Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildhack yesterday. He told me, and this is as of yesterday, we'll see how things go the rest of the week, but they're trending at about 31,000 for that game on Saturday, which is still 31,000 people. It's not going to be a record crowd, but still a big one at the Dome and a big game for the Orange. And the thing that jumps out to me about that game is kind of similar to this game. If you get a lead, you can't let it go. You got to be smart with your fouls. You got to hit the boards. And you got you have to be you have to play a disciplined game against Duke because they will hop all over mistakes. Mike Shashevsky is certainly going to take note of what Clemson did tonight. I think he's going to go after Marek as well and kind of try and get him into foul trouble, take him out of the mix. So Duke's Duke. It's always a tough game, but Syracuse has just found ways, no matter what the makeup of the roster is, how well they're playing at that particular time, to step up and, and win that game. So going to be a big one on Saturday. We'll be back with you then. It's an 8 p.m. tip time, so Saturday night's all right for fighting, and it's all right for chatting live after the game. So I hope you guys can make it back afterwards. But uh, just a reminder that we do put this up on YouTube on our Syracuse Orange Sports page. You can find it in my recap as well. We're now putting this in podcast form as well. Just subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts and find Syracuse.com podcasts, and our game recap will be there for you so you can listen on demand. Thanks to Krause Health. A big thanks to you guys. Thanks to my man Ben Burrows. Behind the scenes, as always, Syracuse drops one tonight to Clemson, 71-70. And now, forget Super Bowl week. It's Duke week. We'll see how Syracuse does on Saturday at the Dome against the Dukies.